From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 190, and today I'm joined by Jessica Greco, now featured on the new TV series Tiny Pretty Things, which was, I believe, the number one show in Netflix this week. Also joining us is showrunner Ken Coopers, whose current show is Hudson and Rex, and we're going to sit down and watch a holiday classic together. It's true, but I wish we were all on the couch together with like a big bowl of popcorn. I do miss those days. I know, it's true. I was just thinking, I'm like, it's been eight months since I did that, which is like the whole reason why I started doing this in the first place was just to watch movies in person with people. But what we will return. So we're sitting down to watch White Christmas. I'm Jeremy, and I have not seen this film. I'm Ken. I have definitely seen this film many, many times and love it. Uh, I'm Jessica Greco, and I have not seen the film, nor um, do I know anything about the film other than the title. And because of that, who's in it? You know that it's like a pro Ku Klux Klan Christmas movie? Like, do you? Well, that's what I know about Crosby <laughs> famously is that he was a white supremacist, which is why White Christmas has been, you know, such a controversial. Uh, is that a true thing? I didn't know that. Uh, I don't know. I've never oh. seen that movie. I just said that. Hilarious. I thought you were like, doing a deep expo- expose <laughs> on Bing Crosby. I was like, shit. I said, I did. I, wow. That colors a lot of Bing Crosby stuff for me. Yeah. No, I think he was, uh, I think he was like, uh, he abused his kids, but uh, I think that's as deep as the. Oh, I'm going to hate this. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> that was just the time, Jess. Oh yeah. Yeah. Famous, famously. Uh, what we call abuse, they call a smack in the head. Yeah. They're just straighten them out. Straighten out those kids. Yeah, I was telling Ken that I'm I'm watching this from a PVR recording that I did last year when I meant to watch this for the first time. Is it going to have commercials? Uh, I'll fast forward through them if it does. Oh. Uh, but all I know is like some cast, like Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, and that it's a musical. Right. Musical. Oh, I've never seen a Rosemary Clooney movie. Well, oh, you didn't even bring up Danny Kaye. Danny Kay. How can you not bring up Danny Kay? I wasn't done. How dare you, Jack? <laughs> I, I got interrupted, goddammit. Uh, and that it's a musical and I assume a holiday film uh, based on all the lists it's on. And, and so, Je- so I don't know where to start. Let's start with Jessica hasn't seen it either. So Jessica, is this a movie that's been on your radar or no? It's definitely been on my radar. I feel like I, I mean, I'm aware of Bing Crosby as sort of a, a touchstone icon around Christmas time because of like the little drummer boy and David Bowie and sort of, he famously has a tie to Christmas. And so I assume that this movie is Bing Crosby's 
real uh, attachment to Christmas, but I don't know. I that's I'm, that's an assumption I'm working on. That's a hypothesis I'm working on. Yeah, and for me, it's just been one like I've been slowly, finally catching up on all my big black hole Christmas movies, and this might be the last one because last no. year I finally I finally watched the original Thirty Fourth uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Class, I've seen it. Yep. Yeah, but it's like I don't know if there's many left. Cr- uh, Ken got me to watch Krampus last year. What'd you think of Krampus? I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I'm going to watch it with Ephraim this year, my son. He, I know. Um, he... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just saying, I think he will love it. It's like the Gremlins. It's like the new Gremlins, yeah. right? I am. Uh, I, I do not know him well at all, but Mike Doherty, who wrote and directed Krampus, I know, um, oh. because he was fam- He was roommates for years with one of my best friends. So um, I haven't seen Krampus yet, though I'm really excited about it, but I'd heard so much about it that I... You know, I'm so glad that you guys liked it. It's it's great. It's so good. It's great. And so, Ken, what is the, without ruining anything, we'll we'll get in, we'll deep dive into it after. But what about this film makes it one of the films that you revisit every year? Um, Two things. One, I'm a huge Danny Kaye fan. Um, Love the court jester. I'm just such a big fan of his. Um, He's a guy who nobody really talks about. He's an incredible dancer, an incredible singer. Everything he does is just delights me to no end. I just find him so charming. And uh, um, every facial expression, every tick, like for me, um, you know, he was the Jim Carrey of his day. Um, yeah. we, I, we, brilliant. One of my wife's favorite films from childhood was the Inspector General. Yeah, absolutely so we, brilliant. We, we just show that to the kids this, uh, this summer. I think Court Jester is a little bit better, but uh, I love that one too. And I also, I have a huge crush on Rosemary Clooney from that era. Um, she's absolutely just beautiful. I've been watching this movie for 30 years, once a year at Christmas, and I can't get enough. The big reason is because I really dislike uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I think it's one of the worst movies I've like, ever created. And so I needed like a classic- hey, hot take. It is a hot take. Uh, I just I only like saw it. I only saw it for the first time a couple of years ago for the podcast. So I've uh, never liked it. Never enjoyed it. Find it slow. I find it just too syrupy. I find it silly. Um, yeah. Uh, so I needed I need like a, I need like an old standard movie to watch, and this one you know fit that bill in a beautiful way. It just uh, it hits all the notes for me. Luckily now, by the nature of it being, I don't know, 25 years old, I can consider Scrooge an old standard. <laughs> right. I think it's more than 25 years old, Brad. No, 85? 85 feels right. Could it be? Yeah, well, How about that? 80, actually, a little later. 88. 88, maybe. Yeah, so 35 years ago. No, 85? Yeah. It's 2020. Jesus Christ. Yeah, sorry, friends. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's a while ago. Oh, wow. It's over 30 years. Yeah, so it's over a quarter century. We can call it a classic now. Yeah, absolutely. That, that and Muppets Christmas Carol are my, like, half the world. Absolutely. Every Mine, year. too. Mine, too. We have very similar tastes, for sure. Well, and what are your, so, Jess, what are your go-to Christmas movies or holiday movies? I think, um, I think, I think Muppets Christmas Carol is important. Yeah. Um, I like that you said important. That, I do. The, it's the right word. It's the right word. Um. Um, I also, uh, 
for me, like Elf, my family. I know it's a newer movie, but it really not anymore. It's it's about fifteen years, yeah. almost thirty five years old. No, it's not quite. <laughs> but Elf, Elf might be. Is Elf twenty years old now? For sure, it's twenty years old. It's older. It's real close. But it's it's great. I mean, it is probably the last Christmas movie that came out. I was never a. Um, 2003, 2003 is yeah. not quite. Some people love 19. it. It's like all of the people, um, like not being with the people they love on Christmas and then like leaving their spouses to be together and showing up at doorsteps with like cards. What is that movie? You know what I'm talking about? It's a Christmas movie. People are screaming at you guys right now through this. No. Um, Christmas movie and it's got a ton, a Kira Knightley is in it and- Love Lisa Actually? Love Actually. Oh, okay. Oh, oh that, that movie, yeah, that, that's, a, that, that's a very divisive. People either love or hate that movie. Exactly. But for my money, like, a lot of people feel like that is the most recent movie to come out and really captures the Christmas spirit. For me, it's Elf. For me, Elf is seven. Elf is great. Elf is great. One of my favorites has a bit more recent than Elf. Uh, that's, a, that's a deep cut, although it's not that old. It, the Family Stone. I just watched that last night. It was Isn't on TV. It, isn't it That's great? Thanksgiving. That's Thanksgiving. You keep no, bringing it every year you do this. The Family Stone is not Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. Oh, I, what am I thinking? I'm thinking of uh, Home for the Holidays. Home for the Holidays. Oh, I screwed up last year. That one is a hundred. That one I screwed up last year for sure. Uh, Family <laughs> Stone is it's the one that I most people slip through the cracks for. Right. But it's just a great... Uh, That's Sarah Jessica Parker? Yep, Sarah Jessica Parker, Rachel McAdams, uh, Dylan McDermott, Diane, um, T. Yeah. Nelson, Diane Keaton. Yeah, thank you. Oh, that, that's a good cast. Great cast. Oh, oh, Luke Wilson. Yeah, Luke Wilson. It's uh, and uh, Claire Danes. Yeah, it's a phenomenal yeah. cast, and it's a really great. It's it, it takes off all the boxes. It's like it's festive. It's very funny. It's very sweet, and it's heartbreaking in moments. I'm excited for this because this feels like it's going to be glamorous and I haven't like, I, you know, I'm <laughs> in these COVID times as I sit here, audience, you can't, we're on a zoom call so the boys can see each other, but I am not getting my camera to work. So they have no idea that I'm dressed um, uh, <laughs> like a bear. I don't know. I'm in like <laughs> a bear costume right now. But in these COVID times, I'm pretty excited to see some glamour around the holidays. It is glamorous. There's a lot of glamour. I'm expecting much spectacle. And I also, I can't turn my brain off of COVID now. When I watch stuff with big crowds, I'm like, they're all going to get sick. All of you are getting sick. <laughs> we just watched Bohemian Rhapsody with the kids the other day. And that, that end concert scene where there's like 10,000 people. I'm like, you're all dying. All of you are you're, <laughs> you're also sick. Most of them are CGI, though, so they're fine. Oh, there you go. Here's what you might not know about White Christmas. It, uh, and it's kind of um, apropos that we're watching it uh, uh, in November. Um, it actually starts as a war movie, and it has war themes throughout. Um, yeah. That feels like a bummer, but okay. It's not, actually. It's, uh, it's actually the, mo- the most charming portrayal of war you'll ever see in a Whoa. movie. That is but okay. You'll be surprised. That's not a spoiler. I have no idea how to interpret that comment. <laughs> you, you'll understand it. We'll talk more about it on the flip side. All right. Well, I think, I think that is a great spot for us to dive in. Okay. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Okay. So we just finished. Uh, and so I, I'll let Jess start. 
since oh no oh no 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 are you sure you want to do that because i have questions <laughs> oh well ken might have answers okay for, for i will did you also like uh, ken and i were texting very briefly uh but did you also have the version that said first picture in in uh vista vision yes that's awesome yeah. what is that i've never i'm <laughs> I don't know. But then when I saw what it looked like, I was like, is this VistaVision? <laughs> because some of it was re- like the color was so rich and saturated and beautiful. But then other color, like, for instance, the general's hair color felt <laughs> like. Now, I'm sorry, listeners, I'm dating when we're doing this podcast. A few weeks ago when Rudy Giuliani gave a press conference and his hair color started to run down the sides of his face. Like you could see this man had spray painted hair because of the color correction on this thing, which was intense. (laughs) Nice. True, true. I think that is VistaVision, though. I think it is that rich, like uh, rich, colorful, uh, just like unbelievable color throughout trying trying to compete with uh other visions at this point that's, yeah, it was that's just right. like it's so funny though it's like there's like there's this is that period like we don't do anything like that anymore yeah like, this is that period where there's all these new like film stocks and like just different scopes coming out was so this was all yeah it was, it was all to about advertising at the front like that's shot right. in this kind of scope was yeah. it like Wizard of Oz times? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm asking. Well, this is five years later, so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So ish. I mean, that was shot in. Um, that was the three camera system. They shot the Technicolor. Yeah. Gotcha. System. But, oh gosh. Oh good guys, I got I got questions. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I feel like. I feel like I have to couch them because you love this movie. So let's no, 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 couch them. I mean, it is like it's a, it, there's a, you know, it's an archaic movie. Like there's a, I mean, there's a minstrel show. Like that is problematic. Yeah. But no um, blackface, right? No. I know, we don't get, that's, we're not going to give yeah. out points for no blackface. No, 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 but I'm just saying, here's the thing that I was confused about because I've always just associated minstrel shows with blackface and that one didn't have any. So I was like, oh, is that like a thing that sometimes minstrel shows have blackface and sometimes they don't? I don't know. I guess so. Like um, the way they were describing it, it just seemed like it was a variety show. It was a comedy show. I, I'm not sure they were using minstrel's show in the in the sense that, you know, has the, you know, terrible connotation because if that were the case, you would have thought there would be blackface. Yeah. I was, uh, I was getting ready to see it. I was getting ready to see Danny Kaye and yeah. Bing Crosby and blackface and going, Oh, Oh, this is going to take a turn. It would be a much different movie. I think the context is that um, it's like just a, a comedy show. And that's why they were yeah. talking about bad jokes throughout the song. I mean, I think, but again, guys, I really do think that that is what the root of the blackface in minstrel shows is. Yeah, it could be. Show. So yeah. I think that just because like they don't have blackface in this particular number, they're still doing the sh- shuck and jive, if you will, of a minstrel show. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what they're selling. Like they're selling like this is the kind of show that they're going to put on. So perhaps, I don't know, again, I, I don't watch, I've never seen a, a, a historical minstrel show blackface isn't throughout the course of it maybe that would have been the opening number and then blackface would have shown up later right 
But well, I do know that the fact that blackface didn't show up at all here to me yes. is like, you know, I never actually even really made that connection before. So um, that's interesting. Well, there's no black people in the movie. So. Well, that's, um, that's true. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it like the, the song made me uncomfortable. Let me just put it that way because right. watching the chair, I was like, oh, what the fuck is this now? Yeah. Well, it looks, I'm just, I just did a quick Google search. It looks like. The minstrel show did start off as like a blackface comedy variety yes, show, yes, but then yes. over time, it wasn't always that. So that was its roots. But then it was almost like they were still calling it a minstrel show, but it was just a variety show. Right, it but had, this, they hadn't found a new term for it. Like right, a cabaret. This movie, minstrel show, started in the fifties, and this movie is in the fifties. Oh no, minstrel shows started way yeah. earlier, like eighteen seventies. 1800s. Uh, okay, well... Like on stage, right? Yes. Yes, I, I feel like I feel like we've now drifted into an area where I need to do more research to speak intelligently on yeah. dates. Anyway. Uh, but, but, I'm, but my point remains, for me, problematic. Like, when they come out and they're like, we're going to do a minstrel show, and, and your and my thought was, oh, sweet Jesus, is white Christmas... Right. But they're not doing, but it isn't like the minstrel show in the way we're, we're talking about it right now. Like this is, this is what reminds me of like, I, there's this terrible, terrible, um, uh, like film that would have showed kids in like 1970s sex education called like boys beware about like the homosexual, but it's right. using the word homosexual. Like we would now use the word pedophile and it's like, okay. Oh, you're not using the same, like the language hasn't updated. I think that's the situation we have here. They're not talking about traditional menstrual shows. They're saying, like, just substitute menstrual show in this situation for cabaret. Yeah. No, I understand that, but you're asking me to substitute the words minstrel show in a 50s movie. And that is asking for a level of evolution that I don't believe existed at the time. No, but at the time, it's like, anyway, it's, it's, I'm just saying it's not a minstrel show from what I can see in the traditional sense. I think, I think this being made in the 50s, I think there would have been no problem if if that's what they were saying with them doing blackface. Oh and no. I think they would have done that in a heartbeat if that if that was their intention. Yeah, that's just it. And that's what I mean too is like I think that if they wanted to put on like, like a traditional intro show they would have. Because the 1950s it wasn't the kind of thing that anyone balked at unfortunately. So the argument is that it wasn't problematic because in the 50s they had no problem with being problematic? I'm no, no, just no, no, saying no. they're, they're oh, using no. the wrong word, the way we understand. Like, it's a variety show. And, and they mean variety show where we hear minstrel show and we assign it to... Anyway, they, we're spending they, a lot of time on this. saying minstrel show, but like a comedy show, which is what minstrel shows. But are. we're not seeing... But there's no blackface. I, I, I hear you. I'm just saying it's problematic. It's the 50s and it's a minstrel show. So right, but that's it's a movie that's seven. Problematic. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't, none of us are disagreeing that minstrel shows, like the traditional minstrel show is terrible. What I'm saying is this is not a traditional minstrel show. This is a variety show that they're accidentally calling a minstrel show because they didn't know any better in 1954. And I'm disagreeing. And How do you disagree? There's no blackface <laughs> in the movie. Right. How do I disagree? Like, do you want, I, okay. So because a minstrel show, to my understanding, is a comedy variety show. Yes. And, there, and you have no problem with comedy variety shows. A minstrel show, to my understanding, is a comedy variety show. Yes. They called it a minstrel show. 
minstrel shows have their roots in racism. And in a movie in the 1950s, they did a whole song about putting on a minstrel show, which you were saying was really a cabaret comedy variety show, which is what minstrel shows were. I'm saying I'm confused about it. And so I'm not going to like paint that section of the movie with racism. And I'm saying it was problematic for me. Okay, that's fair. Which is all good. Yeah, absolutely. So that's where we're at. Yeah, Uh, that's cool. As I said, that's one. I have questions. We can go on. (laughs) But maybe someone else wants to jump in because that clearly was like a hot button issue. No, no, no. That's actually really interesting because, like I said, I I never really kind of put that connotation on it. So that's that's, an interesting perspective to hear. I have a question about the age differences in everybody. Yeah. Oh, that answer is not going to make you happy. I mean, <laughs> where we're going, Sam. I got questions. <laughs> so I mean, I, it feels like so. I you, you don't watch a lot of movies. Is that what? Is that? Uh, uh, I think- no, I don't think that's fair to say. What I don't watch is a lot of what is considered classic film. Okay. Um, because age tropes are universal through agreed. The movies. Agreed. But mine is more about the narrative of it mm-hmm. um, because. I'm going to skip ahead here. So the two gentlemen who are performers who befriend the two sisters who are also performers and running from the law, which I'm not super clear on, but running from the law. No, they were just trying to edit it. They fell for a very common scam back then, which was um, the, they would, they would try to extort the performers uh, by claiming that they had done damage as a way not to have to pay them. Um, That's actually something that would happen quite often. Okay. So they just helped them skip out. Before they, so they're running from they're running away, and um, the the I I only know his real name because you said at the beginning of the Dan K. I think it was Phil, right? It was Phil and wonderful. Yeah, and Bing Crosby was Bob, right? Phil and Bob, Phil and Bob. So or or they're called in the movie. uh, uh, Shoot, and I can't remember their last names were that name of the act, right? Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Wallace and uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, dang it. It's, it's something in Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyways, continue. Um, okay, so, so the gentlemen are like, they're, on, they're, they're taking off. At the very first time they see the women uh, performing, they both are enamored individually with the girls. One with the, with the brown-eyed girl, one with the blue-eyed girl. That's how they distinguish them. Yeah. And, um, and they end up, because Danny Kay is kind of enamored, they end up on the same train and he wants to go to Vermont because that's where the girls are going. And he seems a bit sweet on one of them. Yeah. And he decides to set up Bing Crosby's character with the other one. Am I, am I doing this right so far? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So then when, when all the mayhem st- and the miscommunication starts to happen, Danny Kaye's character is approached by the girl that he has a, a crush on. And, and she's like, I want to pretend like we're engaged to drum up some, uh, I don't know, jealousy from my sister. Wait, she wants to, yeah, the, the idea is that her sister's older and she wants her to give herself permission to be with Bing Crosby. Despite the fact that she looked about 10 years older than Rosemary Clooney, which was, I thought was weird. Anyway. Well, not, because I looked up everyone's age. I know, I know. It's just very strange to me. But that, that's, anyway, that's her justification, is that by pretending she's engaged, her sister will feel right. the need to like, do it as well. Yeah. Okay. So, 
But Danny Kaye's character is like doing this whole "Don't touch me, don't come near." Yeah. So here's so the thing that with Danny Kaye is that, that confused me too. He's a commitment phobe. So you saw him off the beginning. He was the one that always had the girlfriends and he was trying to go on double dates with his pal, but his pal didn't want to. So it frustrated him. Um, he, he, he doesn't want to get engaged. He'd happily like, you know, date her and, and, but she just wants to pretend, but she just wants to pretend. I know, but I think there's like the, this, the, the subtext there was, Ah, uh, this is feeling too real to me. Ah, uh, and he knows it's not just like a joke yeah. for her. Okay, yeah. I, I felt that a little bit. I, I had the same thought as you, Jess, where I'm like, why doesn't he just go with it? He seems into her. But I think I think he was being a gentleman, and he didn't want to lead her on. Yeah, at the end of the day, he realized that she was in love with him, and he didn't want that at that moment. Even, so even though she's saying we're just play acting, in his mind, he realized that she really liked him, and he didn't want to lead her on. Until she said, oh, but we're going to like, it's just fake. And he's like, okay, maybe I can do that. But only, only if we really have to. Okay. He's, he's being a gentleman-ish. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> well, he is. He, he could have he just been like, sure, and played along and not like taking her, he's taking her feelings into account. Is he when not? When tells you how she feels, those are the feelings you take into account. You don't say, oh, you're telling me how you feel? I know better. Let me No, she's better. not telling him how she feels. She's saying, let's pretend. And he knows that she feels differently. And he's saying... But that's him. But again, that's that's my point. She's saying, this is how I feel. This is what I want to do. And he's going along with it. But under the no, guise of... He's saying, I want to pretend to get engaged. She's not. She wasn't saying she was in love with him. He was, yeah. he was he reading into it. He's, he's reading into it that she's in love with him. Yeah. He, she's not. But what's she's he? Saying, I'm, I'm confused what you think he's doing wrong. What I don't understand is what his intention is. His intention isn't clear. If he's into yeah, her, I agree with he's not that. Making a play for her. If he's not into her, he's, he's sending all these confusing signals. If he's into her, but a commitment phobe, she's offering him the perfect situation where he gets to fool around and not be committed. Right. Um, I yes, but I, I think I think I think he what would, he's realizing is that what she's telling him is not the truth, and that she really is into him, and that if he could, she could make this engagement real, she would, and that's what terrifies him. Well, wouldn't but by the same token, he would as well, because that's what we learned by the end of the film. But like, at the end, no, but he gets there. He gets he, there. He's not there yet. He's still like I mean, a playboy. Yeah, well, yes, it's a whole forty-eight hours later. You're right. It's well, you know, these, that's how these movies progress. I mean, that's, that's every yeah. one of them. That's exactly. the taste. That, the that's, time, that's a lifetime in a movie like this. You know what's yeah. funny is I was on your side in the last movie we watched, which was North by Northwest. Okay. Um, one of my complaints was when uh, Cary Grant sits down for the first time on the train and meets the woman. Within one minute of the conversation, he's telling her how he wants to sleep with her and marry her, and like I was like, "That's crazy!" And so I, I was on like I was on the same team, but um, you know, like that's just how these movies go. Like they, that's how romance looked in these movies. It did take me a beat to go. Why is he suddenly like not like into her? Shrinking from her, like shrinking from her, like she's got cooties. Yeah, like, it's it, 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 me. I, I don't disagree. It is a bit strange, but thinking about it. Now it, it kind of tracks enough. I'm fine, but and they're looking for the comedy beat there, right? Like yeah. sometimes you gotta you gotta kind of let it 
you know, let it go, but just because like he, he's playing the comedy and he's, you know, that's his, that's him as, you know, he's, he wants to do his funny faces and his. I, yes. And he's brilliant. Let me just say the physicality in this film is unbelievable. The dancing is. St- Next level. Next level. Oh my God. It's so good. Yeah. Like truly, truly, truly the talent in this is amazing. It was the narrative story part that I was like, I, did I miss something? Like, why are we rooting for Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney to be together? They had zero <laughs> chemistry to me. Why are he's twenty five years older than her? That's like, that was. I mean, people. That was not only common in movies; it was common in life. Like people, women often married older men. They did, but there was a reason. <laughs> what was the reason? Like, why he's are Bing we, Crosby? Have you heard him sing? I know, but like, he wasn't <laughs> Bing Crosby yet. This was in the this huge. But he could. Well, you know, it started off. It started off like you know, as these things do with you know her sister trying to you know they were trying to meet successful older men to like carry them along on their career, Um, not necessarily. Yeah, and you know the fact that they eventually actually did fall in love is the charming part of the story, as opposed to we're just gonna like get a career boost by like you know marrying these guys. Okay, so that's that's. I have to go back to the narrative because I'm confused. So then, so then there was a phone call from like you know, someone in New York going, "Yeah, we'll help you out and put on a show, but only if we can exploit the situation." And there was he he miss there was a miscommunication of hearing she overheard yeah. that, that he wasn't who she thought she, he was going to be. So she he, left. he wanted to go on like the the equivalent of like the Ed Sullivan show. Yes, and say, "Hey, all my old army buddies." We're, we're, we're trying to make General What's-His-Name feel good again. Please come right. to the thing. And the, Now, what Ed er, Herman guy, the Ed Sullivan of, of the movie, right. is saying, he's like, you know what? Let's do one better. I'll bring all the cameras there, and we'll tape the show, and, and you can make a bundle off of it. And he's like, and that's what she hears. Right. Or that's what the other woman hears and then relays to her. Right. But then what he says is like, no, I don't want to do that at all. I just want to do this for the old man. This isn't for me and right. for Phil to make money. We just want the guys there to make the general feel good. But they don't hear that part. So they're, no. th- they're thinking that they're exploiting the situation that they're in, which is ironic. Now that Ken mentioned that thing about the girls off the top, because they were looking at exploiting the relationship <laughs> with older men. Right. She sucks. <laughs> he sucks and then she's getting mad at him for doing the thing that she was trying to do to him well no 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 but to be fair it was her sister that was kind of pushing her to do that at the beginning. Uh, okay. it wasn't she went along with it she went along with it she no, didn't go along with these it these women like it, it doesn't it doesn't hang for me fam it doesn't hang for me this doesn't work uh, as a narrative story it's a beautiful spectacle but like the 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 general being too old and being put out to pasture. The general is the same age as Bing Crosby. Just Are they? Been, I guess yeah. they just painted his hair. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't look that old. He's the yeah. same. They, they gave him. They gave him a a funny walk though. He, I know, but like give him a twenty five year old or twenty two year old girlfriend because apparently that's what you do. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> it's not uh, that the love story for me really was a bummer. Like, I wished that they had just been putting on a show out of the sheer goodwill of Christmas than them trying to turn it into a romantic entanglement for the, for everyone. Well, they had to give a complication. I will say, um, like, the story felt fine to me. It, it right. kind of, like, got you along to the pieces you needed to get to. The one thing that I would, to be honest, I was, ex- 
I was kind of underwhelmed by the musical pieces. Like outside of like the, the kind of staples we know, like white Christmas and yeah. some of the stuff that's at the, at the USO show that's off the top. Like not, I never rec- didn't recognize any of those numbers, which I was expecting. No, to- they're not like, yeah, they're um, because they're, because what they're putting on is an original musical. Mm. Um, all the numbers are original, which I actually is what I like about it. Um, what I mean is none of them like entered into the public domain in the way that yeah no I, years I know, later yeah, right. I, yeah. I, I, I I would have thought I would have been from, go oh that's where this is from right right but I didn't have any of that so yeah. I was kind of I don't know here's the thing I overall I I I don't regret it but I'm like I look at this and go I'm glad I watched it I don't know if I'd ever watch it again yeah just because yeah. nothing like I found that the relationships were fine I love Danny Kay. Yeah. I thought Crosby was great. Like all the performers, they're all good and they're all performing like at the top of their game. The mm-hmm. dance is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. It, did you know it was originally supposed to be him and Fred Astaire? I believe that. That was the style of dance that I was and then for. And then when Fred Astaire dropped out, it was supposed to be him and uh, Donald O'Connor. Yeah. Oh. And then O'Connor got very sick, um, was sick for like months and they had to replace him and they got Danny Kay as the third choice. Kay's I love though. Danny Kay. Dan, mo- I didn't know who Danny Kay was, and his first line, I remember, I made like a mental note because I was like, okay, I already know this is my favorite character. <laughs> so I need to remember what his name was because I had no idea that he was going to be a lead character. Right. Um, if you want a third act issue, like if, if, if the love story is providing that sort of conflict, the, easy. Where did you house all of the Broadway and New York performers that came in on Christmas <laughs> Eve to perform? The children, the 15 children that were on stage, where are they housed? That is <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's a resort that's empty. Isn't that what they were? Yeah, it's supposed to be well, a huge resort. They're putting this show on to drum up business. The, the hall is full of people. Yeah. They, where do they Mich- sit? Mission accomplished. Yeah, but where do they stay? I got to imagine this is more than a one hotel town for yeah. month. <laughs> imagine that this is a huge resort. And like the Catskills, right, at the time? Sure. Yeah. But they've brought in 50 performers. So I'm wondering where the hell everybody's being put. And I mean, the, these, the are, these are incredible logical questions yeah. that, I know. you know, I, I mean, know. that I think if you looked at any movie, you would probably have. Yeah. You, I just assumed the, res- the resort was large enough to house them and others, which is another reason why they wanted to bring their show there to because ha- the resort was empty and the general was like bleeding money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just, it seems like a real bad fiscal plan. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is not concerned with that plot point. I'm, that again, logic jump. I'm really yeah. like, what is this movie concerned with? Like, what is, are we concerned Very little. With? They're concerned with really, really good dancing. General's happiness, and if it snows in Vermont at Christmas. That's what we're concerned <laughs> I mean, like, it, for me, like, uh, I like the story of, of these you know, these two army guys who, who are trying to do right by their general, you know, it's like, they set it up. That's that's all the framework I need really to to put on all these, you know, huge, uh, huge uh, set piece dances and stuff. And um, for me, the standout is uh, the choreography song, which I I just, I've always loved that. That was fantastic. I think like, to your point, though, Ken, like, I just want to go back to the story point. It's like 
these guys are just so altruistic from the get-go that like, there's not a flaw in these two guys in terms of like movie story them having to learn a lesson or grow in any way like well, you know you gotta just, think that you gotta think that this is this is sort of um the third movie of a trilogy of a spiritual trilogy for um Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire yeah it's like holiday starts with holiday in goes to blue skies and then this yeah and, and, he, sings, at, and he sings white Christmas in all of them that's right oh. and uh and if you look at uh, also the Bob Hope Bing Crosby movies that this is what they are. They're they're just two guys, two best friends, two buddies that are kind of like moving through the plot with like no kind of consequences. That's that's kind of what they did. That was their milieu at the time. So yeah, you know, in that sense, recognizing that there's this movie actually more than any of the others has a bigger complication. In the sense that you know they throw the uh, the wedge into the love uh, the love story that doesn't happen in any of the others. Yeah, I guess and the I rest just, is just buddy comedy. Yeah, I just wish there would have been any kind of character arc. For yeah, those, for those guys, because you look at like Guys and Dolls comes out around the same time as this, and I know mm-hmm. that's based on a Broadway musical, and so is this. Yeah, but it's yeah. like that one has like Sky Masterson character arcs for all the characters in mm-hmm. Guys and Dolls, big yeah. time. You know, so oh, it's yeah. like. So it's not like we're we're missing that kind of storytelling at this time in history. It's just this yeah. movie doesn't have any interest in it. Absolutely. And you got to keep in mind as well, this is Irving Berlin. This is yes. like... I didn't realize. It's just, you know, it's it's about the musical set pieces. Yeah. Uh, probably right. if he had his way, there wouldn't be any plot at all. It would just go from song to song to song to song. So it's like... Uh, the fact- Like a minstrel show, right, Jess? <laughs> Dude, I'm really like doubling down on this one. I'm, I'm jumping out. I'm jumping out. Bad joke. I'm moving on. Um, the one, the one song I did like was I like the sisters' song, like their kind of big number that they did mm-hmm. that the guys then did. And then the guys surprised. I like that. That apparently I was reading up really quickly was not scripted, and they and Michael Curtis, the director, saw saw I guess um. Danny Kay and uh, and Bing Crosby were just joking around and doing like a lip sync version of it, and he saw it and was like, "Let's shoot that." And they worked it into the story after because he. Oh, amazing! Yeah, which I'm like, There's, that's very fun. Well, you know, if you watch it again, um, and you watch the end of the song, uh, Danny Kay starts hitting him with the yes. feathers. Yes. It's all improvised, and and Bing Crosby breaks out laughing. Yes, yeah. and he laughs through the last maybe thirty seconds of the song. That's all, and that's what I love about. I love that moment because it, it feels very real. It feels yeah. like they said, calculated. They say that um, Bing Crosby was very uncomfortable doing that number. And it was like, it was, that was Danny Kaye trying to loosen him up. And uh, that was the one, like one of their first takes. They expected to do more. So Danny Kaye was just trying to loosen him up. And they loved, the filmmakers loved it so much that they just went, you know, we got to keep that one. That's the one that's going in the picture. Oh, that's, that's great. really interesting because I'm sure at that time dressing up as a woman was a real – I mean, it's Dodge now. People are freaking out about Harry Styles wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I, I suddenly realized that, like, we can see the women's legs and, like, all the way up their skirt when they spin, no problem. But garters on a man is, like, a very vulnerable <laughs> thing. Like girls yeah. on their calves is like, oh my god, I'm naked. Like it felt very. Uh, well, not for Danny K. He looked right at home. He was having a great time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like that it was just like a soft, 
drag thing for them. Yeah. It wasn't like they were going full some like it hot. You know what I mean? They were just no, doing, no. Yeah. And it was a plot point, right? It was they were trying to uh, stall the uh, sheriff at that time. No, I found it quite interesting, actually. That they sheriff didn't give a shit. He just wanted his third meal. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no real consequence. There's no actual consequences in this movie whatsoever. Even the general's like, eh, no one's coming. We'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. He just wanted to watch his show. Yeah. Exactly. What happened to his children? Why is he the caretaker of that poor child? His granddaughter is not getting enough attention. His soldiers are his children. Oy. Yes. Oy. Yeah, I don't know where her parents are. That's yeah, that's a that's a good question. The woman who plays his housekeeper which yeah. I don't understand because, he, as you pointed out, it's a it's a five hundred thousand acre. Yeah. just one, <laughs> just the one. One of the boys. Yeah, um, and he's gonna go and be the chef. Um, she was the the old nun in uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg in um, Sister Act. Oh, Sister Act. She's the old crotchety wow. Sister Act. I didn't and know that. Oh, she totally is. And she's Aunt March because I thought she was the Wicked Witch of the West. But you know what? Like, I had the same thought. I had to look that up a couple no, years ago because I thought, Margaret "Oh my Hamilton. God, is that her?" It's not. Yeah, it's no. not. She was also Aunt March in Little Women. Yeah, when yeah, she yeah. The one on the writer one. Yes, when they yeah, all yeah. Did, when she was Aunt March, and yep. she was the she was the grumpy little old singing nun. <laughs> she was great. She's. I really love her. I think she's I love great. her. But she totally messed up that love story. <laughs> but you needed that. She totally did. The worst part is that she got off scot-free. Like, you know, yeah, like, for snooping. she's the one that created the whole problem. And then no, she had no ramifications. Like when, you know, when Rosemary Clooney came back, she's just like, oh, I miss you. Big hugs. It's like, not- like hey, yeah. by the way, not a douchebag. The guys aren't douchebags. They're actually yeah. totally cool. Also, also, she was like, welcome home. I was like, you've known these women for like a week <laughs> Yep. Welcome home. She was gone for twelve hours. Well, it's they all live there now. That's their home now, for real. <laughs> yeah, I will say I did like that beat though. After she like she first thought that the guys were just being shitty, where then Danny K comes in and he's like, "Oh, did he tell you?" It's a good angle, huh? Like that scene was done really well. Like the yeah. way they played the double side of it, yeah. where it's like, ah, I can buy that. After hearing that, and then hearing him like be so cool, like so casual about it. I could see why she was pissed. Yeah. Um, that, that worked nicely for me. And him, and of course, him being a blase because in his mind, he's like, oh, we're being really nice guys. We're not taking, you know, we don't, we're not looking to like profit off this. We just want to give the general a nice Christmas. Right. <laughs> Even though the general, wasn't he the dude that like was like, soldiers don't get Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So extra exactly. nice of them to do all of this. Keep looking for that string that holds this narrative together. I would love to hold one end of it, and you can hold one end of it. It starts with a, a war with army guys. It ends at the oh. war with army guys. I got bookends. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, this made me laugh so hard. So they do this last big Christmas number, and they are in like costumes that have been somehow beautifully tailored within an inch of their life, and they're a little. They had five days. Like out, yeah, no, but the girl went to New York. She left. She they, they took her measurements. She's a performer. Somebody called her agent. I can get behind all of that. I'm not going to poke at that magical realism. However, they put there's like eight children. I need you, Jer, pull it up because I feel like you actually can pull it up on your screen. 
they put them in front while they're singing this big end Christmas number, and the four of them are standing behind posing. Yeah. And every single one of those children looks like two o'clock in the morning. They hate their parents for putting them in show business. They don't. The, what, the one girl right in the middle, it, I love watching her because she looks off to the side and then she starts laughing. So I think there's maybe someone over there that's trying to keep the, to get her attention, to get her focused, because she's just staring and then she just starts laughing. She's well, not she the one in like the black, like the, 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 the darker dress that's like trying to. Like, I can't very, remember, but she's right in the middle of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that one moment. I think that might have been it where I'm like, she is wobbling. That girl is going to fall. Uh, no, yeah, I, don't think, no, no. I, don't, I don't think that was the one. Because uh, okay. She she just looked like she was bored, and then <laughs> and then and then truly, and then suddenly and then suddenly a huge smile comes over her face, and she just just kind of like does a little shrug as if someone's going you know do your thing do the singing. Uh, <laughs> it's because this is like take eight. Yeah, like, probably. Oh, it's hilarious. Is- Go to that scene where they're doing all four of them standing in red behind a group of children. Oh, I remember. Children look like they're being held at the border against their will. It is so, uh, it's so crazy because so much energy has been put into this number and they can't get these kids to smile. I'm surprised you're not talking about the fact that the four of them in the middle of a show-stopping piece walk behind the Christmas tree and start having conversations. Oh, well, there's, yeah, then they're just handing out presents all of a sudden. And he's like, "Oh, you gave me a what the hell did she give him?" Yeah, well, I, how, I didn't. I didn't understand that person at all. There is a scene I missing every year. There is yeah. a scene missing from this movie that set up that gift because yeah. it's like it's the thing that makes them go, "Oh, we're in love now." Like, there's yeah. no declaration of love. She it gives seems him that to be horse. like a soldier on a horse. Uh, I don't know. I'm not there's, sure what it refer- there was, is. There was zero whiff of a horse in any other moment of this movie. Yeah, and then Danny Kay right away is like, "Yeah, I guess I love her too." Yeah, yeah. Are, are they not gay? Are they not just confirmed bachelors? <laughs> They're like song and dance men in the fifties who travel together and are like adult men with no long term relationship. I'm gonna like, say when when Danny Kay was like uh, when I was like literally squirming away from her, that was my thought. I'm like, oh, he's not into girls. I mean. Yeah. That feels, and again, of course, of course that was never going to happen, but like, I would have watched that movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's Danny Kaye's real life story, right? Like, um, right. he never came out, but uh, everyone swears he was gay, um, but he I was married, that. he had kids, and he... Well, that, that was common, too. It was like oh, the, yeah. the studio set that up. Yeah, I'm sure. But, you know, it's it's like, it's never really even come out now, Um it's always kind of that secret of a lot of people going, oh, yeah, yeah, like, there were relationships. There were relationships. I'm sure um, there were. Yeah. Um, just interesting looking through it, looking at it through the eyes of now, and just as a viewer being like, oh, they're a couple. No, they're not. They're, yep. <laughs> they're going to date these women who are much younger <laughs> than them, and no one's actually interested in each other? Okay, I am not following <laughs> <laughs> But it was fun. It's the kind of movie that I would put on and maybe turn the mu- the volume off yeah. or like just let it run while I'm like doing like baking or something over the holiday. Yeah, I could wrap Christmas presents to this movie in the background. Yeah. Because I wouldn't be overly distracted. Yeah, but if you, like, if you ask me what I think about this movie, it had issues. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. For me, it's the... For me, what I love about it is the patter of the dialogue between Danny Kaye and Bing Crosby 
I just, I love that. I love the, the 40 speak. Like I love the expressions and I love the, you know, the things they say. And, um, it's very and then charming. I also love, it's very charming for me. And, and then I love all the performances. Like I just love watching all the performances. So and for I think me, there's enough there that I like, you know, I, and I, and I take a year between viewing. So it's always like, you know, the appropriate so, amount of time. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I, re, I just really find it to be um, like a great, just having an eggnog and, and, right. and you've also been falling and, into this movie. But you've also been watching it for 30 years. So it's a tradition mm. now. And for you, it's just like, <laughs> I think it's different. Like movies that we grow up with that have been with us a long time. We give a pass. Like we yeah. just like look past any of their flaws or faults because that's, this movie's perfect to me. And then you can't, yeah. and, and so it's like, as an adult, it's harder, even though you, you know. I think for me too, like I've, I've seen enough old movies that I, it's hard for me to attribute or to, to label faults on stuff like this because it is so universal to the language of those old movies. Um, a lot of this stuff that it's just kind of the recurring theme of the time. And if you have a problem with this movie, you're probably going to have a problem with a lot of movies from the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Or even later, 60s, 70s. Yeah. I mean, Go ahead, sorry, I, I think that you guys are speaking to why I haven't seen a lot of those movies because they don't interest me because yeah. those movies are misogynistic. Like, we're well, that's, about, I mean, like, that's going to be the case yeah, if you're, across if you're asking, the board. If you're asking yeah. your audience to accept misogyny as just part of the deal, then you're going to find that it shrinks your audience. Yeah. And what is considered classic film then has to be you have to be critical of because it's not, it doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. That, that said, and it's like I've often been more surprised than not by some of these older movies I've watched, especially through the podcast, that don't that are actually more progressive than you would expect for the time. Like right. That's the thing that I always look out for and go, oh, for nineteen fifty whatever whatever the movie is, this is pretty you know surprisingly balanced or way more progressive than you expected it to be. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, and I could go through and f- find the references, but, um, cause it is, I mean, you also, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer of having to judge a movie by the context of its time mm-hmm. and it, you can't judge it by the, you know, what we know and what we view today, because that's just not fair. You know, you'd never be able to watch another eighties movie again. That's for sure. Ever. <laughs> so it's like, and it's not, and not, it's not, that said, there's some I just watch now and I can't watch because I'm like those jokes just aren't funny anymore. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Like they, they, the last time I we just rewatched National Lampoon's European Vacation over the summer and I was like, oof, like that uh, one in particular is problematic. That movie was never good, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me be the first to say of the vacation movies, that one was never one of the good ones. What yeah. I think is interesting about this conversation is that you're saying things like it didn't flag at the time because of the landscape of film. And I don't know if that would be true across the board. I think that, you know, we're coming at this from like a position like you guys uh, are, you know, white dudes. Yeah. So like the, 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 the daughter thing in National Lampoons maybe didn't ring for you, but it rang for me. Like I caught that at the time. That was not over my head. That was problematic for me then. But that the landscape was problematic. So I hear you when you say we can't judge them because then you'd never be able to watch another '80s movie again. But then you, the other side of your, no, mouth, I don't. I don't think you. Uh, for me, I, I would never say you can't judge them. You should definitely judge them. But I don't think you can dismiss them um, unless you're prepared to dismiss everything. No, I certainly judge them. Yeah, I, yeah. I so I didn't. Know. 
Yeah, wow. I might have. I might have said you can't. You Jeremy, to, Jeremy said. No, no, I said I didn't say you can't judge them. I said you have to understand the context of the time they're in. I didn't say you can't judge them. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, we At least that's not what I meant. What I meant was. You, Maybe I misunderstood or maybe I misheard. That's I okay. Know. What I thought I said, what I meant anyway, was that you have to understand the context of the time the movie was made in. That's not to say that it's okay. It's just that it's like people it's were. Gonna, yeah. That was the nature of the beast then. But then watching it again, it's going to bump for me. Like you yeah. said, you're going to see stuff that you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Like it won't age well. No. Yeah. And no, so there's... then it becomes like, is that a classic film? I mean, nothing ages well, though. Nothing. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I think 10 years from now, we're going to be looking at movies from now or 20 years or 30 years, and we're going to be going, wow, that was a problematic era in filmmaking. Um, that's just what happens. We become more enlightened. We become, our sensibilities change. The movies don't. They stay the same. And we start to notice those cracks in the foundation. Comedy in particular, because what we laugh at changes so much. And what we find funny as a, as a culture and as like uh, – an era of time is very changes so dramatically. Uh, yeah. You know, especially we, we're going, I, I, I think we're coming out of it, but it's like, there was this era of, of comedy from the last decade. That's just been like angry, mean spirited comedy. Yeah. Um, that Starting I, with probably hangover. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, and I think like, you know, 10 years from now, when people revisit those movies in particular, it'll, they'll really feel off and weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm yeah. not to say there aren't gems inside of all of that. Yeah, that, again, that kind of like sneak through. But yeah, I think- look, Wizard of Oz. I mean, that's a beautiful movie. That's I, you know probably a flawless movie. Um, but it's also but even remember, like, but- like Judy Garland's like the way she's dressed in that. Like she's supposed to be playing like a 12 year old girl, and she's clearly an adult woman. That's yeah. not that she's necessarily being sexualized, but you know she's voluptuous in that. And you know, you know, when, and wouldn't you know all the horror, the horror stories behind that production where they starved her and they didn't let her eat and they just yeah. tried to make her like fit into this perfect figure? Like, well, I, I've been proven wrong. <laughs> Wizard of Oz is a terrible, horrible no, movie. No, no, no. I, I, again, I think this is a, again like a real perspective thing that we're talking about. Yeah. The idea that nothing ages well. We're giving examples of movies that were made by like cis white dudes. Yeah, yeah. of course. White which is which dudes. is but that's like most movies. Ninety percent of certain point of time. Um, I understand. So my point is is to say that like nothing ages well. It's like I don't agree with that mm-hmm. because I because I believe that there are probably projects that age well, but they're not being made by the same types sure. of filmmakers that have been making movies for the last however many years. Yeah, I think that in order to sort of push the narrative, then we're going to have to open up the sphere of who gets to make movies. Oh, for sure. And that's... Well, absolutely. That's, but we can't go backwards, right? So, you know, it's... We can't. We can't. But the idea that, like, you know, the, the absolutes of nothing age as well, or, like, you can't, like, that's take that stuff into consideration, I want to sort of, like, hold the door open for, because I have hope that, you know, Jerry, you're a filmmaker. Like I, no, I, but I agree, I agree with what Ken says. I think it's just like, we can only make stuff that's in the context of the time we're living in. And we're going you know, the generation after us is going to be more enlightened in a different way than we are now. Totally. And so it's like, we can't help, but make things of the time we're in. And so, yeah, things just won't age necessarily, but that's okay. To some extent. I I don't agree. I think that it's the, it's the filmmaker's perspective. That is what we're talking about. Not aging well. So if the filmmaker's perspective is one that is stuck in the now and not forward thinking, then perhaps it won't age well. 
But if you, we get, but you're, a you're, but you're uh, I, I, I really don't understand what you're trying to argue. Like, are you trying to say people should be be able to read the future and, and understand what we're supposed to be enlightened about in the future? To say that you that people are only uh, capable of of the time of of representing the time that they're in, and that will always be pl- problematic moving forward, is suggesting that the same that's one voice. I think that if we start having voices that are more diverse, then those films have a better chance at aging well and being relevant 10, 15 years from now than those that are like, well, this is the time that I'm in. So this is, you know, this is the, these are the bare minimums of quotas that I have to meet in order to be diverse. This is, you know, the bare minimums of quotas that I need for my crew to be diverse. Like the idea that we can't be better than where we are as a culture currently as individuals, I don't agree with. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that by the nature of time, it's like we have different understandings of the world and our place in it. And yes, I agree that it's like the more diverse filmmakers and storytellers we have out there, a better chance we have of being more future proof. But I don't think that means we will be as as a blanket statement. I'm I I don't think it's fair to say that a diverse filmmaker can't make a won't make a movie that doesn't age well. I think that's a really blanket statement. That's dangerous as well. Just because someone's diverse doesn't mean they're going to make something that ages well. No, I I agree. But I'm saying that, you have a better chance of getting getting art that is progressive if you are getting it from different voices. I'm, I'm not I'm not completely convinced that it's going to have a difference in aging, but I do agree that uh, film would, will only become better when we uh, when we do invite a lot more voices and a lot more diversity right. and a lot more progression. So I agree with you on that. I'm not completely sold that that's going to uh, create films that hold up for time any better than the ones that do now. You know, people will like look at the films we make now, the way that I look at the films that were made in the eighties and the nineties that I grew up with. And I just think we're, it's going to be different moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it, will. it will, but there's also elf. Wait, they sing, they sing baby. It's right? cold outside now. Isn't that, uh, I mean, isn't that problematic now? Isn't that whole scene uh, kind nope. of like make you, Ooh, a little bit uh, anxious, just in the sense that, you know, you can kind of take any movie, no matter how cute and charming, and there's going to be something, there's going to be something that doesn't quite hang, hang on anymore. Um, Elf, I love. It's Again, it's one of my favorite movies. But that, you know, when we put that on, you know, my wife and I both look at each other like, oh, that's uh, now that's not, you know, that's not kosher necessarily. Well, again, you're dancing on it. Is it or isn't it? Because you're kind of making a joke. Is it not? Well, no, but it became a thing. It came out in the public, like, conscious yeah, a couple no, years ago, that song, right? That's what I'm right? saying. Like, it's not funny. Like, for me, I'm like, no, it's not cool. But, like, you, you guys are dancing on it. Like, it's No, not no, cool. but what Kenneth's saying is that, there. like, Elf, Elf, which we all said we love, yeah. has that scene in it that doesn't age well. So do we not show it to our kids anymore? Like, is it, is it, is it now? Has that movie moved past the point where it can be... Um, like an enjoyable classic or now is it um, kind of the white Christmas of its day with the minstrel song? I mean, uh, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. No. And that's okay. You don't have you to. Don't have to. It's just was, a rhetorical question. Yeah. Ken was, I think Ken was just trying to point out that it's like, even that movie that we all agreed we love has a problematic scene in it. And so it's like that, just that concept. Going, well, it has a problematic out. song in it. It doesn't, I mean, the scene is, you know, the well, scene. the scene is he goes into, into the shower, the shower where yeah. a woman is showering and totally. they sing that song. Totally. I, I, I watch that. I love that song. 
I'm wrestling with the idea that that song is a no good song now because it's actually a song that, you know, I listened to a lot when I was a kid and I and really it's liked it. to sing and like, I get yeah. it. But I it's a, it. right. And then, but then we were just talking about the minstrel show song, which we agreed was like, oof. But it's like, yeah. that's the equivalent. That's problematic. Yeah. So is that song problematic? You just said it. You and your wife look at each other and go, oh man, this is problematic. This well, I don't think, we don't say, oh, it's problematic. We look at each other to go, uh, I, you know, this song people don't like anymore. Like, what do, like, you know, should we think it's problematic? Is, is like, you know, oh, more, that's more the tone of the look. That's different. That is different. The should we feel bad about this is different than we feel bad about this. And that's what it is for us because, you know, I don't know if I should feel bad about it. I'm being told the song is canceled. I can see why maybe it should be. But, you know, I don't think that was ever the intention of the song when Dean Martin sang it. And I don't, you know, like, so it's to me, it's like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure. You know, not everything is cut and dry. No, and people have to make, and you, everyone has to make choices for themselves on how they feel about it. And I don't want to stop watching Elf because of it, you know, like, I don't want to stop. I suggest you should. What's that? Nor did I suggest you should. No, no, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying in general, like, as we progress through time, what's that going to look like 10 years from now when, you know, that song continues to go down, like, you know, is 20 years from now that might get cut out, you know, like there might be cuts of that on TV and that song's gone. Yeah. You know, so we, we, did, we did a sketch like this on Baroness, which was the, them putting uh, classic literature into cold storage for like future generations to, but then they started going, Ooh, this book, it's like, nah, and they started pulling everything out. And by the end of it, there was like one book they decided on uh, that, that got the, it was Ikea catalog. <laughs> that, they, that they agreed was like okay and i think like that's i love that sketch i'm you know i'm, I'm partial to it because i directed it but also it's like i love that sketch because like it's it's kind of getting what kevin was saying is like if you if you look at, at anything under a microscope there's a problem with it no matter who made it no matter when they made it no or if there's not there will be down the road yeah and i'm a firm believer of something will offend anybody you know, and it's like, that doesn't mean you don't tell jokes. It doesn't mean you don't do something. It's like, you know, my, my grandmother, not my grandmother, like my mother-in-law is offended by some of the music my kids listen to just because of the nature of this, this or that. Right. And, and, and they don't necessarily understand it. So it's just, it's just, it's just challenging. So it's like, you just got to make your own personal choices and, and don't hurt anybody. <laughs> just don't hurt anybody. And yeah, open I, up think, I think a lot of it's subjective and a lot of it's personal taste, you know, like, if you don't if you don't enjoy seeing that stuff and and it ruins the experience of an entire movie, then that movie's not for you. I mean, it's that simple, right? Yeah. And we're three white people yelling about this, listeners. I think that needs to be <laughs> out. That's true. <laughs> You're tucking me out. I'm going to bed. I know. I've been up. I, w- I went to bed at seven a.m. yesterday. Thanks for ruining all yeah, movies. You yeah. broke Jeremy. I know. I know. It's sad. I miss him. This is the first time I've done the podcast in a while, and I have a feeling it's going to be the last time I do it. I feel like Ken. The true charm of watching a movie with me in these podcasts is sitting next to me on the couch while I freak out during the entire film. Well, I know. I, I know exactly the part of the movie where I I should probably feel bad about watching it. Good. And that's what's important. I'll hear the grumble and go, oh, no, yeah, I don't like this part either. <laughs> as long as I've made you feel badly, then I've done my job. I'm perfect. Not- perfect. 
I need sometimes I do need uh, somebody to point out when uh, something's not uh, kosher on screen for sure. Guys, I've been alone a really long time, and so I like I'm just ready to go. Like I'm just ready to spar. I'm really into it. Awesome. Well, thank you for holding us accountable for our <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. But watch some more Danny K movies because if anything this conversation, watch uh, Court Jester. Okay. I think okay. it'll be, you know, I, I dare I say it's a classic because <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything too objectable, but you've proven me wrong tonight and maybe you, you will again. So maybe we'll have to do that one for the podcast. I can be forgiving of an objectable just as long as we acknowledge it. That is the ultimate charming movie for me. I, I think you might really like it. It's Danny Kaye is Danny Kayest. I'll say that much. What does that mean? Oh, you have to watch it to find out. Yeah. He's like, he's known for his fast patter songs. Okay. He doesn't do any in White Christmas, but um, there's a couple of movies like um, um, uh, Court Jester. And the other one, the big one is um, the Walter Mitty, the um, original Walter Mitty movie. Um, there's an original Walter Mitty movie? Oh, yeah. It's way, it's way, it's not, it's not even close to the Ben Stiller movie. It's like a completely different story, uh, way better. Um, and he does a very famous Fast Patter song. You could probably look up on YouTube. I think it's um, just look up Walter Mitty with Danny Kaye. And he does this professor song where he's, he's singing about the elements. And he does it so fast, you will not believe it. You will be shocked. Oh, I've heard that one. I haven't seen the movie, but I've heard just that, that song. It's yeah. pretty incredible. It's like It's not quite like Eminem doing Godzilla. Like, no, <laughs> of its time, it's it's like, and I don't want to say that Eminem modeled himself after Danny Kaye, but the evidence but, is there. Yeah, but the fact that he can do those songs and also add the comedy into them, like the comedy reactions and the comedy facial expressions as he's going that fast, having to memorize those lyrics, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I really the, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Jerry. I would say it's incredible just from like a technique. Yeah point right. of view i really want to see more musical like song and dance like i've never seen a fred astaire movie yeah they're not all that it's cracked up to be as far as i'm concerned i've never been a huge fred astaire fan quite frankly i find it to be very stiff and and kind of um a little bit uh i mean he seemed old when i was like you know when he was 30 like so to me he was always just an old man in movies so i don't know i never found his movies to be and they were just a little too old for me even when i was a kid they always felt like he they were just too far in the past for me i have to say this 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 movie does sort of run my whistle for the big like golden age of studio movies Mm -hmm. um like big sets and costumes and what have you yeah it it just yeah it's just it's tricky because you go back and like you love something and then the very next hand it slaps you with um, i hear you being demeaning and it's like oh geez louise i love i love a movie where um where two people can start on a dance floor full of people and then walk through a door and then they can just dance by themselves in a completely different <laughs> environment for like yes. a minute. For me, yes. I love that. Like, I think that's just the fun, the, the coolest thing ever. Ken, can you dance? Are you a dancer? I, I cannot. And maybe that's why I like it so much. I can't sing and I can't dance. Um, and maybe that's why for me, watching people who can do that is so attractive. Jared can sing. I can't sing. Jared, can you dance? I can dance. 
Can I dance? All right. <laughs> Look at me okay. go. Yeah, I took. Uh, I, I. I mean, I'm not a great dancer, but I. I can. I can move to a beat. <laughs> Copy. 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 All right. Musical. Oh, Jerry, you should do a musical. I am without spoil. I am working on a musical. Uh, really? I have a musical in development. Yeah. Shut the front door. Are you Shut serious? The front door. I'm dead serious. But now I've uh, yeah, it's 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 a long fermenting that's process, that's but that's but it's uh, it's something that I'm I've been wanting to do for forever, and I've been de- developing it actively now for about a year. We've actually got songs written and a couple demos made. I so. didn't know about this either. I haven't really talked. I don't talk about works <laughs> in progress until I know they're like moving forward. But so this is something that. Now, for listeners of the podcast, if this thing never gets made, you know this became a dead project, but I have a musical I'm working on. <laughs> I'm so excited. Me too. It's already dated. It's it's problematic. Uh-oh. It's called it's already... Maybe It's Cold Outside. The uh, yeah. Jeremy Lalonde story. I can't wait to hear you get and feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that you will. Not now. In 10 years from yeah, now. Yeah, 10 years. Later. How dare you make those jokes <laughs> that no longer stand up you know that you're you make them but like you're probably gonna like make me say them or like one of our dear friends say them so <laughs> for money uh, for not money. much money for canadian money for- <sighs> all right on that note yeah 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 thank you for coming and yelling at me uh i wouldn't and- have missed it for the world listen i want to say you're both wrong about white christmas it is an absolute charming delight <laughs> And there's no <laughs> issues. With I'm going to climb forever. right into that time capsule with it, and I'm going to live there forever. Cool, cool. I respect your choices. You're going to have terrible food. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those old sandwiches, plate yeah, full of a, a Vermont smorgasbord. Is that what he called them? They remind you of different haired, colored haired women. Yeah. yeah. We just we skipped right past that, guys. We went right yeah. past it. That was improvised. He just came up with that off the top of his head, apparently. I bet he did. I bet he did. Women are like sandwiches. <laughs> I don't want to unpack that. That's another half hour of my life I'm not going to get back. Don't do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. <laughs> All right. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time tonight. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Take care. Let's all thanks for joining us for White Christmas. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves a treat.